Hello my dear nerds and welcome to another episode. I've read some historical books recently and I'm gonna talk about some of them today. A few years ago I never thought that I'd be interested in history, but since I'm done with school I found that there are actually quite a few interesting and fun things that happened throughout history. It's not just numbers and this king existed in this year and in that year that, that happened. It's fun when you know where to look. What really got me into history were musicals like Six and Hamilton and the YouTube series Puppet History. All things I highly recommend. Especially Puppet History, which is both incredibly entertaining and you learn a lot of things in a fun way. Anyway, let's start with The Dark Tide, The Great Boston Molasses Flood in 1919 by Stephen Puleo. That already sounds fun! Kind of like the Boston Tea Party where they dumped a bunch of tea into the harbor. Who knows what they're gonna flood the city with next? It all started when a big tank was built in the middle of Boston in 1915 with a height of 50 meters and a diameter of 27 meters. It could hold up to 9,092,180 liters or 2 million gallons of molasses. Hearing those numbers, you'd think that the company that was responsible for the tank would hire an actual expert on overlooking the process of building this. Someone who knows how to read plants, who can tell whether the delivered material is good and strong enough and if the safety measures are met. They ended up hiring Arthur P. Gell, a man. I'm sure he was an expert in something. It just was not in building tanks or anything else like that. Also, a big tank like that should probably be tested for leaks and if it could actually hold such an amount of liquid. It's only that the tank had to be done building by the end of December for there was a molasses steamer to arrive with, hold on, 2,649,788.25 liters of molasses. So, instead of filling the tank with water first to try and find anything that might not be safe, Arthur decided that it would be good enough to just fill the tank with 15 centimeters of water and call it a day. That should be good enough. Surely there cannot be any kind of disaster happening later on. In the book there was this hilarious interview a lawyer had with him in the 1920s. The lawyer asked him questions like, do you know how to read plants? Do you have any kind of idea of how to build a tank, any technical experience. Did it ever occur to you that filling it with water might have shown you whether the tank would be strong enough to hold the liquid in? And Arthur just answered every question with, no, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not an expert to all those questions. Love it. Well, after the tank was finished, it didn't take long to start leaking, constantly. But a 
according to the people responsible, things were fine. And over the years, until its collapse, people, mostly children, started to collect those leaking molasses to take them back home. You'd think that something would be done by now, that the leaks would be fixed. Well, a fence was built around the tank to stop people from getting the leaking molasses. Those weren't small leaks, by the way. No, it was a lot. The people working on the site kept pouring sand on the molasses on the floor to prevent it from spreading too far. And yet, nothing else was done. Besides, a few years later, they decided that painting the tank a rusty brown color would help. I mean, it did help against people stealing the molasses. Those leaks weren't everything that showed that the tank was in no good condition from the start, by the way. There was this constant groaning over the years from the tank as if the molasses in the tank were boiling. Reports like that apparently didn't sound dangerous enough, so nothing was done. And in 1919, on January the 5th, it finally happened. It collapsed, flooding the entire city of Boston with a thick liquid, killing 21 people and many animals, trapping and injuring lots of people, destroying homes and anything in the way of the molasses. Rescuers had to walk through the molasses. You can't walk fast through thick liquid like that, especially when it reaches your waist. To find out who those people covered in molasses were, they had to be washed with hot water and sodium bicarbonate, which is essentially baking soda. People were struggling. Some could not move, breathed in molasses and drowned. It was devastating. To clean the city, millions of liters of salt water were pumped into the city. It took a while to clean that up. Even months later, some of the buildings were stained brown and it smelled like molasses for a while after the flood. If you want to know more about this incident, I highly recommend this book. It's well written and there are some facts that I didn't mention. Now onto the next one, about a woman who you could call a quite lucky one. Titanic survivor, the memoirs of Violet Jessup who survived both the Titanic and Britannic disasters. Violet was born in 1887 in Argentina. She was the oldest daughter of the Irish immigrants William and Catherine Jessup. Throughout her childhood she was sick pretty often, but against the predictions of some doctors who thought she wouldn't get through childhood, she survived. There was an incident where she got black scolantina. As children, her brother and her found a few clothes that appeared to be burned. They were pretty young, so you can't blame them that they tried them on and danced around in them, to the horror of the mother, who upon discovering what they have done, was quite scared. Both of them got sick, and while Violet survived, her brother passed away. And sadly, this wasn't the only incident where she had to watch a loved one die. 
after her father's death and her mother not being well, she decided to try and get a position as a stewardess on a ship. She had a few difficulties at first to get the job since she was very young and too attractive. Normally, they would employ older women or widows. So, when packing for a journey, she chose rather simple clothes. In her words, it was a man-frightening wardrobe. She was on a few other ships at first and experienced a lot of small adventures on ship and in new cities. She met many lovely and also a lot of insufferable people. Finally, in 1912, she became a stewardess on the Titanic, a grand and supposedly improved ship. It went smoothly at first, Violet even had a nice roommate. Then, one night, as everyone was already lying in their bunks, she started reading a book with prayers that was given to her by an old Irish woman for protection against fire and water. Well, guess what happens next? As she started to get drowsy, a loud crash disrupted this peaceful night. Scared, she laid there, listening to doors opening. Her roommate breaks the silence by saying, something has happened, which made Violet want to laugh. Realizing that they must return to duty, they dress quickly. Someone came knocking at the door, asking them if they knew the ship was sinking. That would get anyone moving, even in the middle of the night, no matter how warm and cozy your bed is. Unless you'd want to drown, of course. Hearing that the Titanic was sinking was unbelievable to Violet, as the ship was so new. Even though she just got this horrifying message, she helped others and answered questions the passengers had. Throughout this chaos, she even got someone's baby pushed into her arms. Many years later, that baby, at that point a grown person, called Violet to tell her that she saved her as a baby on the Titanic. By the way, while all of this Titanic sinking was going on, the band on board played Song d'Autumn or Dream of Autumn as the last song on this ship. After a while, with a baby in the lifeboat, she slowly watched the Titanic sink. In the end, there were around 1,517 people killed. After this disaster, there were actually a few lawsuits filed by the families of the killed ones and by the survivors. They did get money out of that, but considering that the money was to be shared among all survivors, it was not a lot at all. Four years later, she was on board of the Britannic. On the morning of the 21st of November, there was a dull, deafening roar. Again, waiting to get into a lifeboat, she watched as one boat that had been lowered to the water now drifted right into the ship's propellers. Both boat and people got chopped up. So, I guess you could choose to either drown or get chopped into tiny pieces. I mean, personally, since 
there's a good chance you're gonna die anyway, I just throw myself right into those blades. Sounds both quicker and more fun. Anyway, Violet got into a lifeboat. Upon being lowered to water, she made a decision. Even though she never learned how to swim, she jumped into the water. Still wearing her heavy coat, she got dragged down deeper and deeper by its weight. She rose a little and immediately her head came into contact with something solid, preventing her from reaching the surface. A crash and another hit against her head. In her words, it was a very unpleasant feeling. Finally, she got above the surface and as she opened her eyes and saw this terrible scene of dead body parts, severed heads and limbs, she shut her eyes again. Not knowing how to swim, she just floated along until someone in a boat saw and rescued her. She obviously was in a lot of pain and besides her badly injured leg, she also got a fractured skull from the knocks on her head. That was discovered by accident a few years later. After that, she went on a few more journeys on different ships until she finally retired into a small cottage where she spent the rest of her life among her family. I highly recommend you read her memoirs. She was an excellent writer and she experienced so many more interesting things. And that's it for this episode. I love history. Both of those books were bought because of the series I priorly mentioned. Puppet history! I have bought and ordered many more books because of this series. I wish they taught history, or in general all the other subjects, in a more fun way in school. It seems like most teachers just have this one script they use every single year for every class. And it's not a fun script. I don't know about you, but I can't sit still for long. Especially when I have to listen to someone the entire day. If it was at least fun, it would maybe be a little less exhausting. Anyway, I hope you had fun with this episode. I surely did. And until next month. Goodbye.